Welcome to the Agriculture Revolution podcast, where you will explore the world of agriculture through the lens of entrepreneurship and innovation. By interviewing experts in a diverse set of careers, this podcast provides an interdisciplinary and comprehensive insight into some of the most prominent and pressing developments in agriculture. Whether you're interested in food security, sustainability, AI technology, or just interested in learning more about agriculture, this is the show for you. And now your host, Julian Jensen Lim. Hello, everyone. I'm delighted to bring you another episode of the Agriculture Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Julian Jensen Lim, and today on the show, we'll be exploring the intersection between agriculture, international affairs, and sustainability. We'll be joined by Michael Curcio, who is a co-founder of Pisces, a teaching farm in northern Togo dedicated to the application and improvement of sustainable agricultural techniques. I'm very excited for today's episode, and Michael, it is a pleasure to have you on today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, thank you, Julian, and thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be talking um, with you today about this very important topic. Um, yes, my name is Michael Curcio. Um, I'm a former Peace Corps volunteer in Togo, which is a country in Western Africa. Um, I was there for about um, from 2015 until 2017, where I did environmental action and food security. Um, and I'm currently the executive director of Pisces. Um, which is a nonprofit that is setting up a teaching farm um, in Northern Togo. And Pisces stands for the Permaculture Institute for the Study of Communal Economic Systems, um, which is quite a mouthful. So we just kind of stick with Pisces. Well, thank you again for agreeing to come on the show. So let's get right into it. Why did you come to Togo and what was your reason for starting Pisces? Mm -hmm. So the reason I ended up in Togo is um, because Peace Corps put me there. Um, when I was uh, graduating college, I filled out an application to join the Peace Corps. Um, and since I'd previously been to Burkina Faso and had a little bit of experience speaking French and also studying the effects of desertification, they thought that Northern Togo would be a good um, location for me to serve. Um, so I spent two years there working on projects such as reforestation and community gardens um, with the community where I was living in. Um, and the reason that I wanted to do Pisces is that I saw that there was still work to do. Um, we were having a fair amount of success planting trees and teaching people how to garden, but there was definitely not enough support for that kind of work. Um, and so I figured there's something else that we could do. And so um, after about two years and after talking with some of my friends in Togo, um, we came up with this idea to purchase um, about five acres of land and start a sustainability institute where we would be able to kind of implement a lot of these practices that we taught in Peace Corps, um, but over a longer period of time. And since the organization would actually own the land, we would have more flexibility of what we were doing. Okay, got it. So can you explain the sustainability issues facing Togo and how has it affected the environment and community there? What caused this problem? And can you explain what permaculture is and how it could help solve this problem? Mm -hmm. Yes. So uh, unfortunately, there's quite a lot of sustainability issues in Togo. Um, Togo is one of the poorer countries um, in the world. I think it's something like 150th uh, country in infant mortality and literacy and um, per capita income. And, and a lot, on a lot of different metrics, it's, it's very low down there. Um, Specifically to sustainability, there's a lot of problems with deforestation, um, erosion, and soil impoverishment. And some of the things that have called, caused these things um, 
is the way that agriculture is, is currently being done. Right now, people will often plow up a field. Well, if a lot of times, most fields originally were forests. So people kind of come in, they'll cut down all the trees um, and burn any of the trees that are left. And then they'll plow up the fields. They'll usually plant one crop, such as corn. And then they'll use chemical fertilizers and pesticides to maintain that crop. Um, in the short term, this ver version of agriculture is very, it produces a lot of food. You can grow a lot of corn for the first um, few years, depending upon what the quality of the soil is. Um, but with time, this leads to a lot of erosion. So whenever there's rain or wind, any of the soil will just kind of get blown away because there's no trees or other plants holding it in place. And any nutrients that are in the soil will um, gradually become leached out um, with either with each successive harvest or because of the wind and rain erosion. And since you're constantly plowing the land every single year, um, the soil also becomes very compacted. So while you may have uh, a foot or two of topsoil to work with, because it's compacted, the roots of the plants can only really get down maybe um, six inches or something like that. Um, and so what permaculture is, is it's kind of an alternative to this, this style of agriculture. It doesn't usually rely on, on chemical fertilizers. Um, and it also seeks to grow a variety of plants instead of just one crop. Um, it also seeks to utilize uh, the available resources more efficiently, both in terms of space and also time. If you look at a forest, there's not just one bush at a certain level that's growing everywhere. There's, there's trees that go way up into the air. There's bushes below that and smaller trees. And then there's ground covers such as ferns and moss on the bottom. And then also most plants in the forest will fruit and they'll also flower at different times. So the economy is both the space, uh, the growing space vertically very well. And they also economize the time um, very well. And so basically permaculture seeks to mimic natural processes. Cool. So when you visited Togo for the first time, did you experience this deforestation firsthand? And if so, what was your initial reaction to it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when I first went to Togo, um, I mean, you can see if you, so, so Togo has two seasons. They have a, a rainy season and a dry season. And so during the rainy season, things are pretty green. People are growing food. Um, but in the dry season, especially in the north, it becomes, it looks almost like a desert. Um, and there literally just be, wide open fields where it's just dirt. And it's not even really dirt anymore, it's mostly just clay and sand because the topsoil that used to be there, a lot of that has kind of been eroded away. Um, and so that's kind of one of the things that I remarked upon was that um, the soil, the farm soil clearly looks impoverished. Um, and that's because there's been these repeated, um, it's because the same farmland is basically farmed the same way year after year after year, which can have a lot of negative effects. Um, and unfortunately, the, the thing, the long-term consequence of this is that you get what's called desertification. So basically, land that used to be fertile, that used to be able to grow food on, turns into the deserts. Um, and partly because of climate change and also partly because of um, desertification due to unsustainable farming practices, we're seeing this uh, across a large swath of Western and Sub-Saharan Africa. So Mali and Burkina Faso uh, are part of what's called the Sahel, which is basically the border between the Saharan Desert and the more tropical regions further north. And 
the Sahel has become has been getting drier and drier with each successive year, and the Saharan Desert is actually moving south, sometimes at a rate of over 50 miles a year. Um, and when I was in Burkina and also in Togo talking to people, people are aware that the rainy season is becoming shorter, it's becoming more sporadic, and people are unable to grow as much food as they used to be able to, and that's due to a variety of factors that I mentioned, yeah. What do you think is responsible for Togo's current sustainability situation? Excluding the factors you can't control like climate change or the rainy seasons, how did Togo get put in this situation in the first place? Right. Um, so the current system that's being used in Togo and many other parts of the world is actually a system that was designed um, in the West. Um, it was a part of what's called the Green Revolution, which kind of was happening in the 50s and 60s. And at the time, it was accredited for preventing famine for a billion people. And basically, it is this idea of growing high-yielding variety of crops, such as wheat and corn, and using mechanization, uh, fertilizers, and pesticides to grow large amounts of food. Um, in the short term, this system is very effective in that it can increase, increase food yields drastically. Um, but in the long term, it can destroy the farmland where it's being practiced and also you, it requires increasing quantities of chemicals each year that it's practiced. So each year you, it requires more and more fertilizer um, to produce the same amount of crop. And that's because each year, because of erosion and because of the plants taking the nutrients from the soil, the soil is being depleted. Um, also the pests um, and the weeds, a lot of times there will be pesticides and herbicides developed for them. Those pests and weeds develop um, resistance to those um, those chemicals. So the chemicals have to be made stronger and stronger and also are usually applied in greater and greater quantities, which um, is not great for the environment and also usually not very good for the people that are applying those chemicals. So can you introduce and explain your agriculture initiative in Togo a little bit more? I know there's multiple components and I was curious how each one of those components integrate together to address food security. Right. So currently in the world, there's becoming more and more of an interest towards regenerative agriculture. And that's a system of agriculture that improves the soil each year as opposed to depleting it. Um, permaculture is a subsection of regenerative agriculture that uses the natural world as a guide as far as planning your agricultural system. Um, and so basically the larger idea behind Pisces is to take the, the ideas between, behind regenerative agriculture and permaculture and implement them um, at an institute in Togo so that people can kind of see what these practices are and they can also see how it changes the land. Um, so the plan, um, over the course of four years, Pisces is planning on bringing 10 acres of land into production, into organic production basically. And each year we're going to be doing one hectare, which is about two and a half acres. Um, each section each two and a half acre section will have a, a forest um, for trees fruit trees and also for firewood and also to provide a natural space we'll also have a field for growing cereals a garden for growing vegetables and fruits and then also an area that can be left fallow um, to improve the soil and also to um, provide pasturage for animals and over the course of four years as we keep adding these 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 two and a half acre hectares these different um sections of the of the fields will kind of link together so basically you end up with a 
a two and a half acre um, forest in the middle of your entire field, which is really good for trapping rainwater, um, providing nutrients, and also providing firewood and other resources like that. And you have your fields that are kind of linked together so that you have wind pollination across the entire field. Um, and you're kind of separating out your animal and pasturage systems to prevent the spread of diseases. And the other cool thing about this idea is that you have, um, when you're staggering production, you can see how the field evolves. So at the end of four years, we will literally have a field that has been growing for four years and we'll also have a field that was just brought into production this year. So for the first year or two, the trees are small. We'll be conducting agroforestry, so we're planting trees in our field. So you see little baby trees that are foot tall. Um, but then next door, you can see the trees that are maybe 10, 15 feet tall. Um, so you can really see how it changed. And you can also see how the soil changes. Um, if we're doing this successfully, the soil should be becoming darker, more rich with carbon um, and compost. And it should also be deeper. You should be able to like stick a, a stick into the soil and should be able to um, penetrate much more deeply into the soil. Yeah, I find that so fascinating because I think most people think of a farm as just a single crop on a field going indefinitely out to the horizon. Um, but I think it's so, so, so cool that, you know, you're incorporating, you know, the animal husbandry with the forest, with the compost, with the, with the crop, with different crops. Mm -hmm. Yeah, can I say, and uh, one thing to add, it's these, um, a lot of these techniques, so some of the techniques we're using are composting, which I think a lot of people are familiar with. Also agroforestry, which is planting trees in your fields, trees that are actually able to take nitrogen from the atmosphere and put it into the soil. Um, nitrogen being a very valuable um, nutrient for plants. Um, also crop rotation, intercropping, which is planting different um, kinds of crops together. A lot of these techniques can be kind of hard to visualize and they also can take several years to really implement. Um, even in America, a lot of some farms are starting to transition more towards organic agriculture, but people have a hard time really envisioning what these techniques are and what they can really do. And so that's why um, we want this to be an example to people. People can come and really see, instead of just telling people what to do, we can really show them what it is and hopefully demonstrate that it works. All right. So you mentioned how you're kind of challenging this um, traditional way of, of doing agriculture in Togo. So how can you make permaculture more attractive towards the local farmers and changing their attitudes towards the practice? How efficient and profitable is your model to them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's one of the big things we talk about in Peace Corps is, is behavior change and habit change. And that behavior change is difficult for everyone everywhere. I mean, how many people try to go on a diet or start a new workout regimen and, and have, they do it for a day or two and then they, it's, they stop. Um, so it takes time. You can't just tell someone to do something. Um, and it's also not necessarily good to just go somewhere and tell people to do something. Um, we, the West has done that a lot, um, and it hasn't really worked out super great for us in a lot of, uh, ways. So the, the idea behind Pisces is not really to necessarily tell people what to do. It's just to kind of present an alternative. Um, and we can establish this, um, institute that shows that showcases basically another form of agriculture. Um, people can kind of come and they can see perhaps a technique that they like that they want to uh, employ on their own farm. Um, or maybe they see that the whole, the system as a whole is beneficial and we can help them kind of implement that. Um, so it really is more in the model of um, showing and letting people kind of make up their own minds. Um, and that's kind of how we're trying to attract people. Um, as far as efficiency and profitability, 
studies have shown that permaculture farms are able to produce anywhere from five to 10 times as much um, produce per area of land um, at when compared to like industrialized agriculture. Um, the downside, I mean, the, the alternative to that is that it, it's hard, you can't practice permaculture on the scales that you can in, on industrial, as industrialized agriculture. I mean, you look at a cornfield at West, it'll literally be hundreds of acres. Um, a lot of permaculture farms and stuff like that may be only be a few acres, but on those few acres, you're able to produce a significant amount of food and also many different kinds of food. Um, so as, as far as profitability for people there, it's, that's something that we're working with. Um, in America and Europe, there's obviously a market for organic produce, um, which the prices are generally higher. So farmers are able to make a living that way because they're able to get paid for a higher quality product. Um, in Togo, there's not yet really a difference between organic versus non-organic produce. Um, and since a fair amount of people are trying to just get by, the, the, uh, the prices for food are pretty low. Um, there, are, there is more of a push to kind of develop a market for biological produce. Um, and so that's something that Pisces will hopefully work with, um, is to kind of hopefully offset some of the costs uh, of implementing this practice and hopefully get slightly higher prices for our product. Hmm. Yeah, but that's definitely, it's, that's going to be a big hurdle, a big, um, yeah, big hurdle that we're going to have to go over. I think that's interesting how you said there's little to no distinction between organic and non-organic foods. Everything's kind of lumped together. I mean, you, everyone, basically everyone, one farm grows 10 bowls of corn, another one grows five bowls of corn, and the two bowls of corn get lumped together and they get sold. Um, yeah, there's just not as developed as uh, agricultural markets as there is here. Mm. So what challenges do farmers in developing countries face and what technologies do you think would promote sustainability and effective farming to help ultimately eradicate poverty? Mm -hmm. Right. I think some of the main problems um, that are being, that are faced by farmers in the developing world is um, soil impoverishment. So the soil is becoming um, poorer and poorer each year and also erosion. So basically you have less soil to work with and also increasing populations. So um, let's say in Togo, like in a community there, a family has uh, set 10 acres of farmland. Maybe 20, 30 years ago, that was feeding about five people. But um, if, there were, if that family then had five kids, now that same piece of land has to feed 10 people or stuff like that. Um, so a lot of times what people end up doing is if they're unable to get enough farmland to feed themselves, so they move to the city um, to find a job there. Um, some of the technologies that can be used potentially, um, Currently in, in Togo and a lot of other countries, there, there's a push towards mechanization, um, towards using tractors and other things um, to increase the amount of crops that can be grown. Um, and that can work in, um, in developed places like America and Europe, um, but implementing on a large scale for across all of Western Europe is gonna be incredibly difficult um, just because um, a lot of times the tractors will break down and then there's not either the resources or the expertise to be able to fix them. Um, and so I think a lot of organic farms in the States, um, and in Europe are developing more efficient handheld tools, uh, such as hose, um, something called a broad fork, which kind of helps up break up the soil, um, and other weeding implements. So I think 
implementing some sort of handheld um, devices can actually help improve uh, farming practices um, in Togo. And it's, I think that, that to me is a little more realistic than giving everyone a tractor. Um, Cause I think that's probably a long way off and may never happen. Yeah, no, tractors are uh, pretty expensive. They're expensive and uh, yeah, and there's a lot of, and they require sources of fuel and lots of regular maintenance um, and that kind of stuff. But yeah, unfortunately getting people to implement um, new farming practices, I mean, like any practices is pretty difficult and it takes a lot of time. Yeah, I bet. So do you think your project is transferable to other countries or is it specifically designed for the Togo community? With the practice of enriching soil requiring a lot of time and physical labor, how can permaculture ensure food security for urban needs in a fast-growing population? Mm -hmm. Yes, so Pisces, if it's working, should definitely be transferable. Um, the the long-term idea is to just set up a, basically a string of institutes all throughout Western Africa. Um, and within Western Africa, there's, there's a wide variety of environments. Um, there's more savanna environments where we're currently operating and all the way down to tropical environments. Um, but one of the cool things about permaculture is that it can be implemented globally. That it doesn't rely on planting a particular kind of crop or anything like that. It's just a set of teachings and ideas that can be implemented in a variety of ways. Um, yeah, and let's see. Um, right, and so while enriching the soil can take time um, and labor, it also can be, um, like I said, it, it makes, you're able to produce more food per area of land. Um, and so for urban environments, if you can now grow more food on the farmland surrounding that city, then you're going to be decreasing your transportation costs um, and also hopefully providing um, a more nutritious source of food um, to the people living in those cities. Um, there's also been a lot of focus on teaching permaculture within urban environments because you can literally do it in maybe 10 square feet of land. Um, it's very effective to be used on small scales um, and can kind of help supplement people's food supply with uh, fresh fruit and veggies. Yeah, so I think that's pretty interesting. And that kind of leads into my next question. So what is your grand vision for Pisces? And how do you plan on expanding and creating greater engagement with the program going forward? You, you mentioned educating within cities. And I think that's a really interesting idea, given that permaculture and its nature is on a smaller scale. So do you think maybe that's a potential avenue is maybe incorporating permaculture in cities? Yeah, that's actually, that's a good idea. I didn't really thought about that. Um, yeah, super, super short term um, is basically to just kind of, so we, we have two and a half acres under development. Uh, the next year we want to bring another two and a half acres under development. So we have five acres um, and then expand that up to 10 acres. Um, probably from there, we would probably try to establish one or two other um, training sustainable institutes within Togo, um, perhaps in a different region. And then if those are successful after, that'd probably be about after five to six years, then we might start looking at partners in neighboring countries such as Benin, um, Ghana, uh, the Ivory Coast, uh, Senegal, places like that. But um, Pisces also wants to kind of focus on conducting trainings and also camps. Um, Next summer, we're hoping on having like a, a summer camp for high school students to kind of come to the farm for a week, take some classes to learn about sustainability and different things like composting, um, and to kind of just work on the farm and see what it's like. Um, 
and we can also have people from uh, the city kind of come out and, and see the farm. And fortunately, Togo, most people are familiar with agriculture. I mean, it, most people are subsistence farmers. So even people living in cities either have friends and family who are engaged in subsistence farming. So people definitely have more of a background in agriculture than I would say people here do. Um, so I think they're probably pretty accessible and also pretty willing to, to look at Pisces and kind of understand what we're doing. Um, after that, we'd eventually want to set up a, an international network um, to kind of partner with uh, regenerative farms in Europe and America to kind of set up a, an exchange of information because we don't want to be um, just have people from Northern America going over to kind of do this. We really think that um, we can all learn from each other. There's some things that um, farmers in Togo do incredibly well that I think um, farmers in America could really benefit from. So hopefully we'd be able to set up farm exchanges um, with people from Togo coming here and people from there going over there. Um, and just, you know, really promoting regenerative agriculture. Because um, from where I'm concerned, I mean, it's kind of where we need to be going. Yeah. So what, are, what, what do you think, you just mentioned it, but what are some, some practices you think American farmers can learn from uh, Togo farmers? Yeah, so Togo farmers are very resourceful. Um, yeah as with, with water, with tools, with planting. I mean, you basically will have one bowl of corn and you, you will plant every single seed of that corn and that is, and you, you need it because um, in America, we have a lot of excess. Um, we're used to having a lot of things, um, but over there people are very are frugal. Um, and I think that's a very, very, very valuable lesson. Um, also just some of the ways that they're able to cope with only I mean, in America, we have a lot of irrigation, but over there pretty much everything is, is rain fed. So it's relying on the rain um so they have some practices that kind of help work with that um which is very useful um and i don't know i just i think it's i think people can i mean i when i was over there for two years i learned a tremendous amount um and i think that uh other people would too okay awesome uh do you have any last words for our audience young people with a passion in agriculture or people with an interest in pursuing a potential career in international affairs and sustainability of course yeah um a few things um obviously the peace corps can be a uh is a great option for someone who's interested in, in traveling abroad for two years um it can be rather difficult and it can be um you do have to commit to two years uh being away from home um also wolfing um which is worldwide opportunities and organic farming is a great resource to check out to just kind of go work on different farms either um domestically or abroad um, and also just say that sustainability obviously begins at home. Um, we can all work to kind of make our own homes and our own lives more sustainable. Um, a few easy ways to do that are limit the amount that you fly, the reduced amount of meat that you consume and just kind of stuff like that. Um, and I would say that right now there's a lot of interest in regenerative agriculture. I think, um, people are becoming more in tune with what they eat. Um, and a lot of people kind of recognize that they don't necessarily know where their food's coming from, and then that can be a problem. Um, so people are becoming more interested in having organic produce. Um, and there's also a lot more farms that are starting to become organic or who are starting to employ permaculture practices. So I'll just say keep an eye out for that kind of stuff. Um, and feel free to follow Pisces at togopisces.com. Um, feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions. Um, and it's been a pleasure talking with you.